Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet robe let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one the only miss audrey landers (laughs) hello (laughs) how are you what's going on oh my goodness things are going well thank god yeah really yeah i feel very grateful and blessed Where are you in the world? I don't even know where you are. Okay. Well, I am in Sarasota, Florida, which is very beautiful. And that's one of the reasons I feel very lucky. It's uh, one of my homes and I spend most of my time here. So um, I was going to guess Florida. I was, I mean, obviously I was going to say LA and then my second choice was Florida. I don't know why. Maybe I read something about you that you're in Florida. Most of your time in Florida. I do. And, um, you know, with the world the way it used to be anyway, and the way it will be again, you can kind of um, travel anywhere, anytime. And it's been, it's, it, it has worked out really well. And Florida has been, I know it's pretty open these days. I have a lot of friends throughout Florida. Yeah, for me, that's not exactly a positive. I know, I know. a lot of people are flocking to Florida because it's open, but um, I'm really tentative about it. And my family and I, we have taken this very seriously this year. Um, we haven't even been to a restaurant, okay? We have really taken it seriously. You know, we've had, um, we've had family members and friends that have passed away from COVID. So uh, that was in the beginning as well. And so we just started, you know, straight out taking it as seriously as possible and still enjoying our lives the best that we can. And I think, um, you know, there's a lot we can do from home. And fortunately, where I live, I have a lot of space and um, beautiful weather most of the time <laughs> and and both of my sons ended up uh, putting their apartments in New York City on hold and uh, so we've all had some really special family time together. I was going to ask you if your whole family was there with you and that's the thing like as long as you have space it's you're inside like with loved ones what's it's not that hard. No and I 
I must say my kitchen is getting a huge workout. We have, we just caught, we're constantly cooking and that's fun too. And healthy. And so we've really, um, we've managed we've been very, very fortunate. You and my mom has been staying with me too. So that's, you know, we've been able to kind of keep her here, keep her safe, you know, and so it's all good. And now everybody's getting vaccinated. So oh, it's a blessing. I think by, tw- I think maybe next year, like life will be hopefully normal again. Yeah. You love having your whole family there, don't you? I do. I do. I love it. <laughs> I was, I think I still am. I was Facebook friends with your son. I've chatted yes, with your oh, son. Yes, he told me. I told him I was doing your interview and he said, tell him hello. We're Facebook friends. <laughs> I have to, I have to connect with him on Instagram. I was looking him up the other day because I saw, you know, we were going to do this and I'm like, I wonder what he's been up to. So yes, you have to tell him I said hi and I'll reach out to him on Instagram. Yeah. He's been doing some crazy things too. I mean, really interesting things. You know, I think with the pandemic, everybody has to readjust and find some way to do what they do. And show business, as you know, has been kind of at a stall. Um, Yes. And uh, Daniel and I, in fact, have been uh, developing a project together. A very exciting um, dark pop musical film as well as developing it for the stage. And so we were very close to getting things moving just as the pandemic hit. And then we kind of had a year of pullback, readjust, and now we're getting back into it. So it's very exciting now. That's great. Were you, when your children wanted to go into the business, as they say, were you like, yay, let's follow in mom's footsteps? Or were you like, (laughs) oh God, choose something else, please? No, we fled to Florida when my kids were little in hopes of them not wanting to be in the business. And one of my sons has taken a very special and successful path on his own in more of the uh, marketing and finance world. And um, Daniel, as you know, I couldn't keep him out of show business, no matter how hard I tried. And I, you know, I'm so thrilled because I mean, you know, when you are so talented as he is and, um, you know, that's in your heart and soul. You can't take that away. That all you can do is uh, follow or hopefully follow your dreams. And, um, uh, and I always helped him follow his dreams. I'm, you know, I'm so, and we're business partners and we're collaborators and um, it's incredible. I mean, that must be nice being able to like work with your son, like on projects. It is. It's great. I mean, you know, I have, it's kind of a family thing. I worked for years with my mom, um, who was my manager. And then we co-produced many things together, films and TV shows in LA together. Even one here in Florida, we did together. And, um, and then we moved into other businesses that we're partners in together. And here now I've got, you know, Daniel as in, in show business as a partner and in other businesses as well, both of my sons. So, you know, we've, uh, we're, we're kind of the third generation of family partnership. Were you the same way as Daniel growing up? Like, was it always acting and singing for you or? Yeah. Yeah. As you shake your head. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It was, I, I knew from the time I was three that this is what I was meant to do. Although when I went to college, I studied pre med. And um, I also did go to Juilliard for music, but um, 
you know, I did, I, crazy. I would not necessarily recommend it. I was just so type A personality. Okay. And I just said, you know, I really want to learn about medicine and, and biology and chemistry. And I really just want to learn that. And so that's what I'm going to study in school. And I'm going to do soap opera at the same time. <laughs> so I was uh, very, very busy. And, um, but the music thing was always a part of my life. And it's always been a part of Daniel's as well. So he has really, you know, I've, uh, I've written hundreds and hundreds of songs and had a lot of, uh, I've had hmm, dozens of golden album records all over Europe and the world. And um, when uh, Daniel also started to um, uh, display his immense talents in that area, I mean, he was young like I was. And um, so he went on tour with me when I, when he was about nine. Wow. And yeah. So we did a lot of shows and we even recorded some albums together for Europe. And then he just suddenly um, started writing intensely at like age 11 and he formed his own band. And I said, you know what? Cut it off from your mom. You know, this is your career and your path. And, uh, and he's just been incredible at it. He's written hundreds of songs and he produces, records them, sings all the harmonies. And, um, and with this film that we have collaborated on, he wrote all the music. Wow. And, uh, yeah. So it's pretty exciting. When you moved to LA when you were 24, was it one or the other? Like, were you like, I really want to be a singer or I really want to be an actress? Or was it not that? It was just, I like them both and let's No, see I think actually I went to LA much earlier than that. And then oh, wow. I came home to do a soap opera in New York. And then I moved back more permanently. Um, and when I did move back, I never uh, stopped the music intentionally. You know, I had hit records in the US actually when I was a teenager. Um, but then when I got Dallas, um, I was able to really resurrect the recording career because look, the world is very different now, but in the eighties, <laughs> if you were a TV personality or actor or whatever, you were kind of shunned from the record business because they would say, Oh my goodness, she's not a musician. And look, I began my career writing songs before I ever acted, but that wasn't, um, it wasn't accepted, but in Europe it was. And so a European producer saw me on Dallas, contacted my mom, who's my manager, and said, hey, does she really sing? And yeah, I do. <laughs> and um, we began a huge career of uh, hit records in Europe from that day on. Wow. So how did you get Dallas? Season four, how, how did that come about? How did that come about? Well, you know, I, I, people always think when, like, Dallas, she's an overnight success. But I, have, I had been acting for my entire life. Um, and I started, you know, school plays, local theater. Um, I had a recording career in Nashville for a little bit. Uh, then I got more soap operas and, you know, so it all built up. And then when I moved to LA, I did dozens of pilots that 
<laughs> didn't get picked up. <laughs> I did a lot of episodics. And when my uh, agent called and said there's an audition for this show called Dallas, I quickly gathered up some VHS tapes so I could catch up on it because I had not really been following the show. I'm ashamed to say, but I wasn't. And um, caught up and said, oh my God, this is a really saucy character. And uh, I kind of got my costume together and I went in and auditioned. And um, it was exciting. I mean, there were every girl in Hollywood was vying for this role. And um, I did a lot of visualization after my auditions, envisioning me in the studio, <laughs> sending positive energy. And Friday to Monday, got the call on Monday, and it was wonderful. And, you know, Afton, my character, was only supposed to be in for two episodes. And um, so it was really, uh, it turned into something really special, obviously, eight years so. Yeah, you were. <laughs> did you, could you tell like the audition went well or like, can you ever really tell? Like, did you get a sense that like, huh, I kind of did well here? Boy, you know, I have this uh, kind of, um, th th my way of doing things is I never compare myself to the other actors. I never do. I don't look at how they, or how they could be possibly doing it. What do they look like? How do they dress? I always just say, okay, go in there, focus and do the best that I can do. And um, so I couldn't tell. I knew I did my best. You know, I didn't have those, you know, ugh, kicking myself. I could have done this or that differently, which now at this point in my life, I get a lot of those moments <laughs> kicking myself. Oh, I shouldn't have done it that way. And um, uh, one in particular recently, but um, we can talk about that one later. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, I was just going to make a note to myself because now you've intrigued me about something else. So go on. Yeah. But so, um, so no, I felt that the audition went well and I was very excited. And, and then the, um, the icing on the cake was, well, one, I, I was, I'm, as I keep mentioning, I say the word focus a lot because I am focused when I'm working. And, um, so I was the new kid on the block for those, you know, first days on the set and trying to just keep to myself and do my job and lunch hour came and studio is dead silent and everybody's leaving. And I'm like, how do I calm myself? And music always calms me. And so I wandered around the dark soundstage and found a piano and said, oh, wow, look at this dusty old thing. There's nobody here. And I just started playing something I had been writing at the time, knowing that there's nobody around and I could just put my head in that space. And um, sure enough, <laughs> the producer, Len Katzman, comes in carrying his styrofoam, you know, trays of food, whatever. And he says, oh, that's really nice. And I said, thank you. He said, what is it? He said, oh, just, you know, I'm just fiddling around something I'm working on, writing. It calms my nerves. And he said, nice, really nice. And then he kept going. And then... We get an offer for the role to become a recurring character as a singer. And the next scripts that arrived, I was singing in the little club. And Afton got to sing all the songs that Audrey wrote. 
And so it was really a wonderful time, wonderful opportunity. Wow. I mean, even though you had to go back and like watch the DVDs and all of that, you know, by the time you auditioned, like, did you realize, you know, like who shot JR? Like, this is like a really big deal. Oh, I knew. No, I knew it was a big deal because my, uh, my friends were saying, what? You're getting yeah. to audition for Dallas, you know? And it was, a, it was still very early on. Okay. Um, and yeah, I'm trying to think if the who shot JR was actually out in the open at that point. I'm not mm. sure that it was because we had a delay because there was a writer's strike. As soon as I, my first day of work, flew, everyone flew out to Dallas, uh, checked into the hotel, got ready to shoot. And then we were told no shooting is allowed because there's a strike. Wow. And so <laughs> we kind of held still uh, in Dallas for a week or two. And then everyone flew back. Six months later, we revamped and started again. Right. Because it was the season right before. Yeah. So when you get that call and like, it's like, okay, you got the part. Was it, well, I guess if it was only supposed to be two episodes, did you have that oh, like, no. <laughs> this is going to change my life moment? Um, no, it didn't feel like that, but it was like jumping up and down. Yes. This was a, a, a coveted role. It was a fantastic character. It was a great show. Um, so, you know, I, I don't, I always live in the moment. So for that moment, it was the greatest thing ever. I didn't look forward and say, oh my God, this is going to change. No. And even while we were in the midst of it, in the filming and, you know, while the show, all the years I was on, basically, it was the number one show in the world. Okay. Yeah. I still never felt that, my God, this is changing my whole life. I never felt that way. I just felt, okay, it's kind of like that turtle, slow and steady, just keep going, you know, it, you know, you never know when it's going to stop. That's a, you're like so well actualized as like a beginning <laughs> in your career. Like, and you never were the type to like look around and be like, what's she wearing? Maybe she's doing it. But like, that's really good. I guess. I mean, it's kept me very sane. <laughs> it keeps you very sane. It does. I mean, especially in this business, you know, like I have moments where I'm like, David, just freaking focus on yourself. Like, stop. Like it's, it's hard to do sometimes. Yeah. But it's really important to do because you know that what, when you focus inward, you can draw out the best in yourself. That's true. And I mean, you, you know, you're the, you're the unique you, like no one else could bring that. So each exactly. person's different. So I agree, but that's good that you have it all figured out at <laughs> At an early age. I definitely don't have it all figured out. I'm sometimes quite a mess, but um, it's fun to do these interviews because it reminds me sometimes of what I tend to neglect. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Do you get as stressed out when planning a vacation as I do? Where to go, what to do, where to stay? I definitely needed some extra help in choosing the perfect spot for my next vacation. And that is why I turned to Apple Vacations. They're great. They're known as America's favorite vacation company for good reason. Just think of them, and this is music to my ears, as your one-stop shop for that next-level summer vacation. Apple Vacations will help you plan your entire getaway with confidence from start to finish. We're talking personalized service, exceptional values, and so much more. Plus, you can choose the most gorgeous destinations like Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, Hawaii, and the continental U.S. 
Each all-inclusive Apple Vacations package includes round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, meals, drinks, entertainment, and tips. Nonstop transfers are also included at no additional cost at select hotels. So the entire vacation is as seamless as possible. For a limited time, you can use promo code SAND75, that's SAND75, and take $75 off your stay at Live Aqua in Cancun or Punta Cana. Just go to applevacations.com slash BTVR to get the steal of a deal to your favorite live aqua resort today. Again, just go to applevacations.com slash BTVR to get this amazing deal at your favorite live aqua resort today. Uh-huh. Were you, so regardless of the, oh, this is going to change my life moment when they wrote it in and like, okay, now Afton is going to sing Audrey's songs. How, I mean, that must've been like the perfect melding of both worlds for you. It was, it was really great. And then, and, but I didn't say, oh my God, this is the greatest thing. I said, okay, what's happening in that script? I'm going to write a song about that. And so, you know, I was able to focus and like a lot of my fans, they love this one song called Steal Me Away. And I wrote it early on about Afton being in love with JR because, you know, she was, uh, although the mm, public perceived her as this kind of gold digger, the way you play a character is how, you know, you rationalize that she uh, has all good motives and she did. She fell in love with this guy. And so the song was about that. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority. And I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shapes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code Velvet Rope and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. And there was another song about being in love with a married man, you know? And so it was really uh, fun to be able to focus my writing toward a a character. Did you have like carte blanche, like just... We trust you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was, it was pretty amazing. I'd come to set and there'd be this Fender Road sitting there. And um, sometimes we would do it live. And sometimes uh, we would just pre-record it that morning in the soundstage because, you know, for filming, it's always easier to have it pre-recorded for multiple takes, you know. And um, But it was never anything fancy. It was just, hey, what have you got for us today? <laughs> yeah. I mean... That's how hard is it to come onto a set like, you know, Dallas season four, where it's like, you know, Larry Hagman, where it's like an established cast and 
Yeah. Like I know Larry Hagman and Patrick Duffy and Linda Gray were all really close. Yes, yes. Um, it wasn't easy. Um, I didn't try to, um, uh, I didn't try to burst into their inner circle and suddenly inject myself into their friendships. I just did my work and I was, you know, and we became um, cordial, good friends. And even up until a few years ago, uh, we did some public appearances together. We all went to Austria, Linda and Patrick and Ken and I. Um, I went with my mom and it was great uh, to do some uh, you know, publicity and meet and greets and things like that. It was a, a gala in which actually I had been invited first because I was the singer at the gala. And then they said, oh, well, let's make it a whole Dallas thing. So it was really a lot of fun. Who was the most welcoming out of all the people? Not just those three out of everyone, really. Well, I, you know, yeah, I, I would have to say everyone was very welcoming. Okay, despite whatever you would read about the cat fights and this and that, which were all fun publicity. Um, and Larry was wonderful. He always made jokes and uh, always tried to make me feel welcome. And in, uh, when was it? I, it was probably quite a few years ago now that we had a the big, uh, there was a big reunion at South Fork. And um in the last minute, Daniel, my son, uh, decided to fly in. My mom and I had gone. And then in the last minute, I said, oh, I wish I had brought him. And sure enough, we picked up our phones at the same time. He said, Mom, I got a ticket. I said, great. Well, will you be there? And Larry and I were doing publicity uh, in, around, in and around Dallas that morning. And so he said, hey, come on. Let's go pick up Daniel at the airport. And so when Daniel landed, the limo arrived with Larry and me. <laughs> and so, you know, he's, he, was, he was pretty terrific. I went to the reunion at South Fork after oh, that. You? The 40th. Oh, okay. The 40th, okay. which it was, right, it was just like Steve Canale, Charlene Tilton, Linda and Patrick. Uh-huh. Those four. Yeah. But I was like, where's Audrey? Where's Morgan Brittany? Um, I don't know. <sighs> how it was organized. I know it's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> but those are great. I mean, just cause it's at South Fork and I'd actually never been to South Fork before that. It was like 2018, I think. Hopefully they'll keep doing them. Cause I think they're great. Oh, I hope so too. Yeah, for sure. Is it hard just in general, like as an actress to come in, not even for Dallas, just any set, like when you're a guest star, like I know you were on like Dukes of Hazzard and Fantasy Island and Love Boat. Like, is it always just hard if you come in for a day or two episodes? Yeah, I think it's very intimidating. I mean, no matter how confident you are, um, or at least for me, okay, I can't say speak for everyone, but for me, it's always an intimidating experience because unless it's your show, like, you know, obviously into the years uh, while I was on Dallas, it certainly didn't feel that way anymore. But, uh, you know, jumping onto a new set with new actors, it's, yeah, it's kind of intimidating for sure. <laughs> What about, you know, you say, because like Afton was kind of a fan favorite. You know, you mentioned like, right, like at first we think she's a gold digger, but we realize she has a heart of gold and yeah. she is like a fan. Like, what was it like? What did you love best about playing Afton? You know, I loved the fact that her character had such a unique arc as, you know, in the beginning she she arrived as this 
you know, kind of country gold digger. And um, over the years, she evolved into a very strong woman and who knew how to stand her own and speak her mind. And there were plenty of years, you know, when Afton was a victim, so to speak. And I think that, you know, in a show like Dallas, where the fans are so loyal and so involved in what happens, um, they start to identify with the character in certain ways. And I used to get such, I still do, in fact, I get letters to this day, a lot of letters. Um, and uh, they would always say, oh, thank you for your inspiration, your strength. And, you know, you came from humble beginnings and yet, you know, you were able to overcome and, you know, they kind of blend in the character with the person or the persona. And, um, but in any event, it was nice to know that Afton could become an inspiration to people. Yeah. Was there ever a storyline that, you know, either, well, I guess two parts of this question, like where you didn't feel comfortable playing that. And then regardless of whether you felt comfortable or you just felt like this isn't Afton. And like, were you able to go into like a Leonard Katzman and say like, let's talk. Like, I don't really think this is the right direction for the character. This is jumping the shark. It's too gimmicky. Um, hmm, I have to think back. I never did go in to talk to the producers about uh, a direction for the character. Um, Wait, maybe I'm not, I think we actually did have some discussion, but it, ne it wasn't necessarily initiated by me, okay? Um, I do recall going into the office and we were discussing things and I did voice that I thought that she was a little wimpy. And there were, you know, in the beginning, she was spicy and this and that. And then there was a period of time when Afton was just like, oh, please, how much of this junk is she going to take from Cliff? You know, and... I don't know if my voicing that had anything to do with them giving her a little more power, um, but we did have that discussion. That's good. What about on set? You said like, despite what we heard about the cat fights and all of that, what about, cause right. We did hear a lot about like Victoria principal and not getting along with. <laughs> um, we got along. Okay, I think that as the women on the show were beautiful, successful, confident, um, we each had our special roles, and um, I never felt uh, anything close to <laughs> animosity or a cat fight. So I was not part of any of that if it existed. And you didn't see any of that with anyone else? No, I mean, there were certain, um, there were some wardrobe issues every now and then where one person didn't want to wear a certain thing if another woman in the scene was wearing something similar or that showed similar body parts or whatever, you would hear that and I, you know, and I go, oh my God, I'll wear whatever you want me to, you know, so, but that was it. I would be the same way. I'm just like, I don't care. Just tell me what you want me to wear. But <laughs> things exist, I know, on like every show. Yeah, of course. Did you ever just want to say to Afton, like, get over Cliff and move the hell on? 
Yeah, and when she did, the show changed a lot, and they really did a wonderful job because, you know, I did have to leave for a bit to do the movie A Chorus Line. Yes. And uh, so it was really wonderful and accommodating of the producers to, uh, you know, ease the character out and then allow me to return. So it was, it was really uh, very, very special. My lips get so chapped. And this is a problem I basically had my whole life and I didn't know where to turn. I tried everything. And that is when I heard of Chop Saver. Chop Saver was created by a trumpet player, someone who uses their lips all day for work. And I figured who better than to turn to than someone who has heavy use on their lips? a good place to start. Well, it's the only place I needed to go after discovering Chop Saver. Chop Saver combines a special blend of healing herbs and natural moisturizers to help you crack that smile without cracking your lips. It's soothing. It comes in two types and it has a nice, great citrus flavor. I am telling you, my lips feel good and taste good all day. It's lip relief like I've never known before. And now, as a Behind the Velvet Rope listener, you get 15% off for a limited time. Go to chopsaver.com and enter the code VELVET. That's right, chopsaver.com and enter the code VELVET. And you'll get 15% off. I love that it's organic. I love the taste. I love the smooth, silky texture. And hey, while I'm talking to you guys all day here behind the velvet rope, my lips have never felt better. Chopsaver.com, enter the code velvet for 15% off. Was that, so that was all like above board, like they didn't say we're writing you out or anything. It really was just because you got chorus line. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. They were like, you can leave and come back. You know, I didn't know how secure I would be in coming back, but it was, it was like not a contract, but it was... It was understood. Mm-hmm. Was that a hard decision? Like when a chorus line came your way? No, it wasn't a hard decision at all. Um, it was at a time when Afton's character was a little boring. There was a lull in the storyline anyway. Um, and that was a discussion that we obviously had to have. And um It was a wonderful opportunity. Look, I had been doing so many crazy things during the years that I was filming Dallas because I had this recording career in Europe. So for several years, every other weekend on a Thursday or Friday, I'd leave after filming. My mom and I would fly from LA to Frankfurt or Paris. And I would do back-to-back concerts, press, um, TV shows, I mean, just went on and on and on and then be back on the set, you know, at the beginning of the next week. And I did that almost every other weekend. So um, when I had this opportunity to do Chorus Line and everyone just said, you know, you've worked so hard to keep things going and we appreciate it. Yeah. So it worked out. How was, are, are you a big Broadway person? I, well, I love Broadway. In fact, the, sh- the film that we're developing is um, being adapted for the stage as well. Wow. Musical. So uh, the, the film I mentioned that Daniel and I are collaborating on, it's a dark pop musical, all original music. And um, 
it really, really lends itself to the stage. It's just, you know, Broadway is kind of, you know, where we're at now. Um, we're all keeping our fingers crossed. So, you know, we keep our fingers crossed. It'll be interesting to see how, I mean, I, I miss Broadway, you know, I live 20 blocks from Broadway. So hopefully it'll, how was the chorus line? Like, what was that experience like? It was a different experience, okay, because we filmed uh, for like five months inside the Mark Hellinger Theater, um, and I was the only non-professional dancer. I became one, but certainly I would never have, I, I still never reached the levels of these uh, other dancers and actors that um, that's what they did for their whole lives, but uh I worked really hard. I had a dance coach from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. every day. Then the cast would meet to rehearse 9 to 5. And then I'd have a coach 6 to 9 p.m. again, just to get me uh, up to speed for the numbers that I was in. Wow. So it was, it was exhausting and um, a challenge. And it was exciting when it was over. <laughs> you were like, I'm happy it's over, but that was a great well, was, experience. Yeah, it was a great experience because it was such a challenge and that I accomplished it and I'm proud of my work in it. Yeah, it was great. What about working with Michael Douglas? How was that? Oh, he was terrific. He was great. Um, he, you know, you know the show and the, and the movie so that you don't have a whole lot of interaction. But... Um, it, he was great to work with. He was wonderful and professional and yeah, we loved it. It was great, honestly. So then you go back to Dallas. How did that, did you just, once the chorus line was behind you and you, did you just pick up the phone and call and say, hey, I'm ready? <laughs> no, they had to pick up the phone. <laughs> and uh, it was basically, yeah, we're done and I'm, I'm available, hello, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, even with Chorus Line, um, you know, I, I was very, um, the, even if you want to hear a fun story about how I got Chorus Line, that yes. also, I mean, Dallas was cool, um, but Chorus Line was very different. I was in Europe on a short tour. I was getting my gold records in France, and I had just performed the night before at this wonderful venue called the Palm Beach Casino in Cannes, right on the Croisette. It's just amazing theater. And then the next day, uh, or that evening afterwards, we were going to have our my gold record presentation, which was also incredible. So it was like kind of days blended into nights to the next middle of the morning and we finish the gold record presentation. We get to the airport finally, let's say, in time for my 8 a.m. flight from Paris on the Concorde to New York. And then I'm back to L.A. And um, we arrive in New York, my mom and I. And she has a message from her office that says, hey, is Audrey around to audition for a chorus line? Is she in New York? And I had a four-hour layover. <laughs> so we said, yep. Be there. This is not having slept in days, okay? And um, I'm wearing still my rehearsal dance clothes, probably, whatever I flew in. And I went uh, straight to, I, I bought the cassette of a chorus line 
because I really didn't know the music. And um, so I learned it in the limo on the way into the city from JFK. And um, my mom continued off to her office and I stayed in the city and uh, met with uh, Sir Richard Attenborough and I read the lines and I, you know, sang a little bit here and there. And he loved what I did and said, now you have to meet with the choreographer and these are the 17 finest dancers in the country. And I said, thank you so much. This has been a great honor, but I am not a dancer of that caliber. And, you know, this is great. He said, well, just go there. Just, you know, go there and meet the choreographer. So I get to this, uh, the rehearsal studio and there is the line because they'd been in rehearsals for two months already, but they hadn't found Val, which was me. So I, I get, I, I, uh, show up, talk about intimidation. There's the line with the space where Val is supposed to be. And Jeffrey Hornaday, the choreographer says, okay, everybody take a break. And they all just go, you know, watching me, like, what is she going to do? And I go, what am I going to do? No, I'm not a dancer. I'm sorry. So he said, well, just interpret this. Okay. So I go, okay, I'm going to interpret this. And I do my interpretation and I do have to go back a little, two things. Although I was not a dancer, I danced in all of my acts, my Vegas act and all this, but everything was kind of tailored around what I could do, okay? Yeah. Uh, so I wasn't like, you know, I never danced, but I wasn't a dancer. And the second thing I have to go back on uh, is that I am now in touch with all the chorus line people and, and they're incredible. But that first moment, it was that intimidation moment, okay? And that was my perception of them giving me the, hmm, what is she gonna do? And so I did this and then I went, oh my God, I'm done. Thank you, thank you, I'm leaving. I kind of left with my tail between my legs. That's how I felt like, oh, I'm getting out of here. I made such a fool of myself. And I get back into the limo and I go back to Kennedy Airport and I call my mom who's now at her office. I say, mom, I made it, I'm at the gate. And she goes, wait, did you not get any messages? I said, no, because no cell phones back then. I said, I did not. She said, well, you got the part. Don't get on the plane. And so I didn't get on the plane and I stayed in New York um, <laughs> for the next five months. Wow. I'm just going back to being in a limo, buying a cassette, being in a limo and like learning the music. <laughs> like you just pop it in and like you're that musical you could just figure it out within like a 45 minute ride from JFK or an hour and a half more like yeah well it was um it was a fun song it was (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) I did wow so that is funny so you're just like great experience the whole thing began as a great experience Mm mm-hmm did Michael, like someone like a Michael Douglas or anyone come up to you and say, hey, this is all great and you're doing a great job, but I got to tell you, I love me some Afton Cooper. <laughs> yeah, we did have a lot of that, which was nice. And, um, and also we had, you know, it was a Richard, uh, Richard Attenborough had a lot of friends and colleagues that would come to the set. And I was always want to go whenever I was invited to, which was whenever I want, we wanted to, the cast was invited to go see the dailies, you know, the, uh, the filming of, from the day before it was, uh, 
it wasn't digital. (laughs) So they got it developed and then they'd go into a little screening room and we'd all look at it. And um, a couple of times, Michael Jackson was there. And I went, oh, that's Michael Jackson. And I, you know, quiet. And he said, may I sit down next to you? I said, yes. And he put out his his gloved hand and he introduced himself and he said, I'm such a big fan. And I almost, oh my God. And I, I mean, who wasn't a fan of Michael Jackson? And so we had very brief encounters during, off and on during the film. And when he would go to sit in on the dailies. And so that was a lot of, it was a very, um, looking back, it was a very special, special thing. So Michael Jackson watched Dallas. Yeah. (laughs) And he obviously liked the chorus line. I would guess, you know, look, he was the most incredible musician, writer, talent. Um, And so um, it was just, it was amazing. (laughs) He was there like throughout, like he he was there for the dailies a lot? Maybe five or six times. Wow. Mm -hmm. But still more than you would think. Yes. But you it never went farther than that with Dallas. No. He was never like, oh, I need to tell you, I didn't like what Afton did last night. Like nothing, but I mean. No, we never got into that. It was just, he was, he was very shy. But who would think that he would be a fan of Dallas? Mm-hmm. Has there ever been someone like that where they come up to you and they're like a huge super fan of Dallas and, you know, someone else and you're just like, I can't believe this person like knows the nitty gritty of like Cliff and JR and Sue Ellen and. <gasps> yes. Um. This was, uh, I don't know, it was probably, you know, the height of Dallas. And I was in Stadt, Austria, and I was doing a New Year's Eve show. And uh, it was at this, it was being filmed at this beautiful, I can't remember the name of the hotel, but it was an amazing place. And um, so before the show, uh, early, it was like late in the afternoon, my husband and I were walking down this beautiful little fairy tale village and coming at, towards us was Frank Sinatra and his wife. And my husband was going to say, go over. I said, don't you dare go over to them. You just, you know, you can just ignore them. They don't want to be bothered. So we kind of pass each other. My husband turns around and he looks and his wife nudges Frank and says, oh, Frank nudges his wife and said, that was Audrey Landers. And I, I don't tell the story well, but in any event, he's the one that turned around and I went, this is unbelievable. <laughs> so wait, so you guys were passing and like you heard him say that? Yeah, it was like we were right past each other and we kind of turned around, you know, looking at them and they looked at us and pointed and said, that's Audrey Landers. And I, was, I said, oh my God, that's Frank Sinatra. And um, we ended up doing this New Year's Eve show, although we weren't filming at the same time we were in the same show. And then years later, years later, I did this TV movie called Young at Heart. And it was probably his last performance. And um, the last shot of the filming, he came onto the set and um, his daughter was producing the film, the TV movie. And he came on the set. He's 
recognized me. You know, it was many, many, many years later and he was a little older and it was a different situation for him, but came on and then in this in the script he dances with the woman who plays my mother. And then at the end of the dance they yell cut and so forth. And he comes over to me and he says, Would you care to dance? And I went, you know? (laughs) So that's a once in a lifetime moment. It was it was a once in a lifetime thing. What do you think it is about Dallas? I mean, that just like it has, like you said, like the rabid fans. I mean, people just love it, myself included. Like, what is it? I mean, I could tell you what I think, but I'm curious, just like, what do you think the appeal is? I mean, it was the number one show for all those years for a reason. You know, I think it was a a, a show that uh, it took you out of your realm there were characters that were bigger than life there were um and the characters were continuing so you like as as they would be in a daily soap opera okay so as as an audience as a viewer you would get to know the characters you would root for them or or you know condemn them and you would you know you were just involved in their lives and i think that because the characters were bigger than life. Um, it was a total fantasy. It was in your, it was a relaxation for your brain. You didn't have to think you would just sit back. Okay. Entertain me. And you were. Yeah. And like the storytelling was so rich. Yes. And you know, oddly enough, people don't realize that there were some very, um, controversial and, um, ahead of their time stories. I mean, we really did touch upon lots of interesting uh, stories and I, it's to the producers and writers credits that they were able to weave in serious uh, commentary um, in the midst of all this fluff. Do you remember any at the time that you were like, you know, now obviously they're probably, you know, dated and they're not a big deal, but like, do you remember anything like that back then was like, oh God, I can't believe we're tackling this issue? Um, there were uh, there was uh, the issue of cancer. Uh, one of the characters. There was the younger man, the older woman. Um, there was True. my character having a baby out of wedlock. Um, Those are yeah, that's true. There was sexual assault. I mean, there were a lot of different uh, storylines that, for the time, were very very um, avant garde. You got to love some Christopher Atkins and Linda Gray when yes. you were younger. Oh, what a great story. <laughs> so good. Was it different when you went back the second time to Dallas? Like, did it feel different being on those two seasons? You mean before the reboot? You're talking about... Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no. Like after Chorus Line. No, it felt the same. Like, it just, felt, yeah. just... Like you never laughed. Stepped right into some comfortable slippers, you know? <laughs> I mean, to me, it really created the genre of the nighttime soap. And those cliffhangers were just one after another. You're like, you know, just when you're like, how could this be outdone next season? They would find a way. Yeah, they did. They came out. uh, There were a couple of bonkers when when it was all a dream the season before. But I wasn't in it. So I take no part in that, you know. That was not a lot of people's favorite season. No. <laughs> did so the whole experience with from Dallas, like 
did it change you as a person, as an actress? You know, because it was so many years. I mean, even though there was a little yeah. break in there, this is before the reboot, which we'll get into in a second. But yeah. that whole first uh, experience, did it like change you? It did. It changed a lot of things in my life because, you know, I'd been a working actress since I was a child. And um, I guess that's not politically correct. I've been a working actor since I was a child. And um, so when Dallas, you know, exploded in the world, it suddenly gave me worldwide fame as opposed to all the other things I had been doing and working at. Um, and so it did, it, it opened up a whole new world for me. It was amazing. Did you get like one great piece of advice, like from like a Larry Hagman or like someone that took you under their wing, like when you were the newbie? Trying to think. I mean, it sounds like Larry was kind of one of the ones who took you under his wing, which is what I've heard about him, that he's just the nicest guy and took everyone under his wing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there were any specific words of wisdom. He just kind of was able to use humor to uh, calm you and to make you feel comfortable and welcome. And like, kind of like he felt like in a way, not that it was his show, it was an ensemble, but you know, as kind of his show. JR. Yeah. He's the one to welcome somebody. He did. Everybody was welcoming though. I have to admit nobody was, uh, I mean, everybody was kind and generous. Am I being shady and looking for dirt on like Victoria principle? You know what? I wish I could give you some, I really, really wish I could give you some. I, and you know what? I might be very naive in having not noticed it because I kind of go through my work with blinders on. That's how I am. And I don't for, it's probably not the best way to be, but I, I mean, I just have blinders on. And if, if there was a, yeah, and something negative being thrown at me, I somehow deflected by not noticing it. <laughs> you know? I don't even know if that's so bad. I think that might be okay. Mm-hmm. Focused on yeah. yourself. What about when Dallas was over the first time? Like, did you find it hard to find parts? Like, were you typecast? Or were you just like, this is a great chance for me to go and focus on all my music? And I don't necessarily need to focus on acting. Because like, I would think when you play one part for so long. Yeah, that's true. Um, However, I was fortunate that during that run, um, I was constantly doing other things. My music for one, um, and the chorus line. And I took, you know, breaks in between to do other things. And so um, I didn't ever feel... Uh, typecast from that role. I think there's a general perception that everyone has. Um, you know, if you see a snippet of somebody on camera, you think that's how they are for the rest of their lives. Um, so I think everyone has some sort of a preconceived perception. Um, but I didn't really feel it in my acting. And honestly, It all happened in a very fortuitous timeline. It was a time when I wanted to uh, focus on having children and take a break for a few years. And um, so it, you know, it all fell into place. Yeah. Does it ever get tiring? You know, like this is for any actress or actor or even like musician where, you know, like you said, you have this long, amazing career. There's tons of music, chorus line, lots of other stuff, but you know, this is the role you're most known for. So like, 
just like as a working professional, like, is that like, okay, I understand it. This is what most people want to talk about, even though, uh, hello people, it was like a gazillion years ago. What or, are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Or is it like, you know, okay, I understand it. Or is it just like, okay, uh, for a few minutes and then there's a lot of other stuff. And you know what? I think I, I really appreciate it because it was an iconic moment in pop history. Okay. So in that sense, it was something that was, uh, you know, I, I love talking about it. It was iconic. And, and the more you, uh, there's so many people that don't remember it. And maybe there's a whole new generation that might explore it again, you know? Um, so yeah, no, it doesn't get tired. It's like I had my first hit record called Manuel Goodbye in Europe. And there were years that I, that I said, oh my God, am I going to have to perform that song again? You know? <laughs> and I thought, and then I thought about it and I said, you know, it's amazing. They're calling it an evergreen. And that means it's like a standard now. And it's been recorded in many languages by other artists. And I said, you know, it's very cool. Yeah. How, I mean, how is it, you know, in the States, you walk down the street or whatever, you're recognized for one thing and Europe, technically you're recognized for another thing, even though there was crossover and you did both. Did you kind of like that? Like just kind of having these two separate sides of you? Yeah. There was a a period of time when there was a a children's television series that I co-wrote, produced, uh, and was in as Miss Audrey. It was called The Hugabug Club. And in it, I wrote like 250 original songs, 47 half hours. I did all the editing. Um, It was crazy. I did the offline editing. And it was like a true labor of love. And my audience was basically made up of toddlers and their moms. And so when I was having, I would be, when someone would recognize me, I was expecting they would say something about Dallas and they would say, oh, I love the Hug Bug Club or, oh, Miss Audrey, my, you know, my two-year-old is the biggest fan. And so it's, it's incredibly wonderful (laughs) to have diverse careers. How nice was it? Like, I know your sister Judy is in the business also. Like, how nice was it? Like, how nice is it having a sibling in the business? Like, you guys did some work together. Um, well, she kind of has been out of the business. Yeah. For a long time. And she's gorgeous and happy as a grandma and totally involved in um, that part of her life. And she's very fulfilled. And yes, she's still incredibly gorgeous. Um, so when we were younger and we were working together, it was a really special thing. It was. Um, I think that, you know, uh, times change and your needs change and your, you know, goals change. Yeah. What was it back then? Cause it was a different time. Was it hard, like as an actress to find, you know, the meaty roles, like I know things have changed just in general, no matter what age you are. Yeah. Um, I spent, as, as you know, much of that time on Dallas. So, yeah. I, you know, for me, that was kind of a meaty role. Um, and Judy did more of the comedic roles, although I had my share and I loved them. Um, 
I think, yeah, I'm not sure of the question. <laughs> I'm not sure of your question. Well, like, you know, like with the Me Too movement and like equal pay for actresses, like I think just any business has come a long way, but, oh, yeah. you know, Hollywood certainly has. Just in terms of, I mean, I'm lumping it all together, but, you know, like, to me, there weren't, like, those meaty parts. Like, Dallas provided opportunities in a lot no, of... No, no, not the same. No, no, they're certainly not the same as um, all these inc- uh, incredibly powerful roles for female, uh, for advocacy in so many different areas. Uh, female empowerment and the Me Too movement and uh, all these things that are so necessary that we're never, ever... Uh, discussed or in the forefront, certainly, back then, you know, and as an actor in those days, it was, you know, great to play fluffy roles and know that in your heart of hearts, that's not who you are. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like you see, you know, like Meryl Streep opens and closes movies like Glenn Close, you know. Oh, yeah. There is this thing now, I think, way more than ever where, you know, like, an actress, you know, like that a whole joke of like in Hollywood, an actress is over at 40, right. blah, blah. Like, I think that's got to have come a long way from. I'm so happy I'm yeah. now at that age beyond. And so <laughs> I'm hoping that some doors will open a little bit in that respect for me as well. Do you keep in touch with like a lot of people on a regular basis from Dallas? No, not really. Um, uh, you know, once a year, maybe. That's about it. We're not, I used to keep in touch with Ken. um, And we were always trying to find new projects to work together on, whether it was a play or something. He was always calling me up and say, hey, look at this. I'm going to send you this play. You want to do it with me? And, you know, there were things like that we would communicate on. (laughs) Well, speaking of new projects that you worked on with Ken, let's talk about the reboot. Hmm. How did that come your way? Uh, Not easily. (laughs) Not easily. Okay, well, now I'm intrigued. Um, No, I I mean, um, I think that the reboot was done so well, and I thought the cast was beautiful, and they were so talented and wonderful to look at, but I think that the focus was on the Dallas in name only. And they didn't really want or need or feel the need to focus on bringing back some of the old standbys. Um, And I think that they kind of lost a chunk of audience because of that. Um, And uh, so it was, it was really, um, it was flattering when they called and said, can you step in? You know, uh, I just feel so sad because the storyline could have been incredible. Just think about Afton's daughter, marrying JR's son. I mean, the storyline had limitless possibilities and we never had the chance to explore it. Yeah. I mean, it was like a lot of reboots where they wanted to focus on the newbies and, you know, you're there and you contributed, but right, like that storyline could have been something huge. It could have been. And I think it would have attracted the older uh, audience as well. Um, but that being said, the show was wonderful and it was shot beautifully. And as I said, I, I thought the actors were terrific. It was so good. It was okay. Was it the original? No, but no, it was that's okay. Yeah, exactly. I was here for it for the next 10 years. So uh-huh. it was very upsetting when it was canceled. 
And I know it was like a change in ownership or leadership at TNC. I know there was a lot of factors that went into it. And Yeah, I think that with Larry's passing, it was very difficult for them to keep um, the core of the, the story, the core of the essence of Dallas together. I think they felt that it would be difficult. But one of the best lines ever between the first and this was when Linda Gray, when Sue Ellen says to Afton, the worst thing JR did was you. Yeah, I know. That is like fun. It's classic Dallas. It's everything. <laughs> You're right. Right? Like that was like, a, who doesn't, that was. was a great line. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there was a lot, but the, the new cast was great. Like it just, they end and then Christopher's dead yeah. in the show. Like that's not a way for this legacy to end people. No. What is one of the best like is out of everything you've done in your career is there one thing that just sticks out like as I still haven't done that I still want to try that well most pressing on my mind right now is to get this film made you know although I've done other films in the past this musical that uh, Daniel and I wrote um, that is something that is pressing on my mind morning, noon, and night. I want to get that done already because it's, the world needs to hear it. It has amazing themes in it that are pertinent to uh, today and to um, human nature. And uh, so it's, just, it's a film that needs to be made. Um, and then on the same level is the fact that I've never done Broadway. And so wouldn't it be incredible to play a supporting role in my show on Broadway? (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. Is everything like it was in motion before COVID? And so when the world opens, it will hopefully be back. Okay. So now I'm just, uh, the, the original investor group was out of the UK. And so now we have to kind of regroup and find new avenues and we're getting there. And we have our, we have the script in front of some, really talented uh, young directors, um, female directors. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're re- we are really uh, reaching out. We, I don't want to jinx it, but we have our favorites that we would, uh, that we're sending the script to and we really want them to love it like we do. And uh, yeah, that's what we're, we're focusing on pursuing all different avenues, but mostly um, getting our director in place and choreographer and lead female. And the, yeah. the, I was going to say the lead female or even the people you just mentioned, like are those, I know you're not going to tell me because you don't want to jinx it, but are those people that like we would know? We would oh, say? yes. Mm-hmm. Look, we have our, we, we have, um, uh, <laughs> we, th- since the female lead, is young and a woman of color and is around age 27. Um, We would love to get a musical uh, star to come on board and that would be awesome. And additionally, we love a particular actress that she's just amazing and nobody knows she sings. Um, So we're hoping to get her as well. We've reached out. We haven't heard back yet. 
I, we actually had heard back a year ago from RuPaul for one of the characters and uh, I'm going to reach out to him again. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we have, we have a lot of uh, interest from so many different people that I really believe it's going to be happening. Well, when you say young actress and you describe her, I think of, I mean, I could think of one or two with the music. Oh, tell me. Tell me, tell me. Well, what about like Zendaya? I would love Zendaya, but I do think she's probably out of reach. I do. I see, do you see where my mind goes? Yes. Perfect. Perfect casting. <laughs> Without knowing anything else. But RuPaul, whatever the part is. Whatever, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. We don't need to know anymore. What about when we first started, and you mentioned just recently there was something you almost got? Oh, okay. <laughs> you thought I forgot that, didn't you, Audrey? Oh, yeah, I'm trying. I didn't almost get it. I was talking about how, you know, in back in the day, you know, I'd go in, I'd, I would do an audition, and I would feel confident that I've done it. No questions asked. So recently I did an audition, um, and the role was different than people perceive of me. And so I went full-blown into character makeup and lighting and um, aging. And I made a total fool of myself. (laughs) And, um, And I really am angry because I made a total fool of myself with the Ryan Murphy project, okay? And all I want to do is get my project in front of Ryan Murphy. So all I really wanted to do was like get this cool part and then get to him. But he said I made a total fool of myself by submitting myself looking as this uh, ancient character and casting things. That's who I am now. And <laughs> so I'm hoping that one of those great character roles will come up and they'll say, oh, yes, yeah, 70. She can do that, you know. He said, oh, by the way, here's some feedback for you. Yes. Oh, well, I didn't hear you. Did like Ryan say actually like, by the way, your feedback is you made a total fool of yourself? No, no, I heard nothing, which means I really made a total. If I had heard anything, I would be thrilled. Oh, thank you for telling me I made a fool of myself. I would be fine with that. But no, I I actually did not. I just, my agent said, yeah, I think you overdid it. You overdid it on the character stuff. Was this for American Horror Story? No, it wasn't. Because I think over the top. Pardon me? It's for an upcoming project. Yeah, very cool. As you're talking about the Me Too movement. So it would would have been a very, very interesting character. Ryan is a genius. Amazing. Like, did you ever watch like Nip Talk or like popular? Of course. I mean, going all the way back there and then going forward. I mean, yeah. Pose. Pose is like the best thing. I know. It's, they've been filming. I mean, I haven't seen them, but they've been filming in New York, like around here. Yeah. And I I know that it wrapped like, I think a week, three weeks ago, something like that. But it is, I mean, it's all, it's all brilliant. American Horror Story, popular, the OJ, Versace pose. It's like. What what was the Hollywood uh, thing we watched too? So cool. Phenomenal. Yes, yeah. and I love Patty LuPone. Oh Gee. yeah, feud. That was great. He's a genius. Well, yeah, I mean, like if you don't, if you want to not get a part, 
yeah, you want to keep Ryan on your side. I, I, I would see where you're going with that one. But maybe it wasn't as bad as you thought. Maybe, but you know, it's one of those things where you just kick yourself and you say, why can I just go and be myself? And if they hate me as myself, then oh well. But to hate me as this character that I'm really not, right. okay, maybe they would have liked me. Was this in person? Like, was Ryan sitting, like, right in front um, of you? No, no. It was on, it was taped. Nothing has been in person for yeah. a year. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what I thought, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to make sure. Yeah. Has, on that note, like, have you ever gotten really close to something where it's, like, between you and, like, one or two other actresses, mm-hmm. and now we're, like, oh, well, we know that, like, Pretty Woman or something, like, some iconic part where, like, you were this close, and it, or, you know, even TV show, and it went on to be, like, a huge blockbuster that we know, and you were heavily in the mix. Oh boy, I'm trying to think back. I'm sure there were, there were plenty of those, I'm sure. Oh, there was Desperate Housewives, but that wasn't anyone's fault but my own. What happened I, with that? Moved from LA. And when they said, oh, they really, 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 really want you to test for this pilot, I said, I just left LA. I'm not going to move back to California. Forget it. For a pilot? You kidding me? (laughs) But it was a good choice in my life. Okay. So, you know, there's a balance. Yeah. And well then, so right. You don't look back with them when like Desperate Housewives is on for like eight years and they're all great parts. You're just like, I stand by No, I just, I look and say, you know what? That was, you know, I, I did what was right for me in my life at the time. What part did they want you for? Was it the Nicolette Sheridan part? Probably. Mm-hmm. I could see that. <laughs> but she was incredible in it. So there you have it. She should send you flowers or something to say, thank yeah. you for moving out of LA. No, she was great. <laughs> no, she, would have had, she probably would have had it anyway. She was amazing in it. She was. <laughs> mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, you mentioned like you played the seven, you know, you mentioned 70, no age shaming. I'm older than I look. How, I mean, I'm saying you, your sister, your mother, even Daniel and your other, how, I'm sure I'm not the only person to say this. How do you all look so damn young? Oh my goodness. Thank you. And I'm not saying like, okay, I'm, there's no age shaming because, you know, we're all getting older, but like you just all look like it's a fountain of youth over there. Well, thank you. Um, good lighting. <laughs> um, you know, we, we, I guess, you know, I have to thank my mom, uh, genetics and living a really healthy lifestyle. Um, we're vegetarians. <laughs> I was going to say, like, do you live a healthy lifestyle? Yeah, we do. But honestly, you're being too kind because we all have our days. And uh, I mean, you know, you're probably seeing everyone on their best, you know, best moments. I get it. There are days that I stare at myself into the Zoom and I'm like, oh, like today I'm like, you know what? I- I'm kind of okay with this all today. Other days I look hey, and good. I'm just, today I do. How good. <laughs> some days, some days I'm like, oh my, what? Like, what is going on here? So I, I get it, you know, and I'm not one of those to edit anything. I just throw it all out there. I'm like, this was how it was today. And here it is, people. Oh, good. That's important. Yeah. I mean, I think people spend too much time editing everything on social media and on just social media in general. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what about, what if Dallas came back, another reboot, but this time we're going to do it differently. 
we are going to recast all the parts. So, you know, JR, all of them need to be played by somebody else, you know, like in their 20s, so to speak. We're going to go with that time period in everyone's life. Who, any, who jumps to mind for you of actresses that would be just at the top of your, like, oh, I could see her playing Afton. Yes, I could. I can't even think right now. Like I go to all the blondes, like Kaylee Cuoco, Jennifer Lawrence, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, this is in a world where I assume everyone's going to be interested and want to do the project. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of those women are amazing. I love them all. They'd be great. Yeah. Maybe one day there need. Maybe there'll be another reboot one day. And then I can play their mother. <laughs> and it's like no insult by that. I'm just always curious to see who people think would be a great kind of continuation if they ever went that route. Hmm. What do you want us, like, as we wrap up, well, two more questions. One, how do you want to be remembered as an actress? Hmm. Looking back on your whole career thus far, not, you're not done with your career, but thus far, You know, I think that how you want to be remembered as an actress or how you want to be remembered in life is not all that different. I think basically you just always want to be true to yourself and uh, not to compromise your values. Just do what makes you feel comfortable in your own skin. That's good advice. And then two more things. One, do you want, what would you like to discuss here today that I didn't bring up? I thank you for letting me go down the Dallas trip. I know that you're, you know, you have a booming music career and a lot of other things. You might even go on, maybe when all this is over, when you're done with the movie, you'll hit, you'll do a mini tour again. Yeah. I mean, it's been proposed already, just that I, I'm not able to yet imagine um, especially going through Europe right now. I'm just, I know. it's hard to imagine what that looks like. Um, and I, I do enjoy it. I love it. And, uh, you know, I think ideally I would love to be able to go on tour with the music from our film. Um, so I think our timing is going to be just right for that. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> well, where can everybody find you online on Instagram? Yeah, I'm at Instagram. I think it's Audrey Landers official. And that sounds right. Facebook, Audrey Landers. And Twitter, I have to get more involved in. I have a nice Twitter handle and I have great fans on Twitter. but <laughs> I'm not so good with Twitter either, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't really understand Twitter. I don't. Oh, I love Twitter. I, I think do. it's great. I, it's it's very um, immediate. You know, if you are online, I mean, you can just. The fun part about Twitter is when you do a show that's airing and you live tweet. While yeah. And that is just perfect fan engagement, friend engagement. It's it's instantaneous, and so I've I've loved that when various shows have aired, like I did. Um, this really fun uh, movie for Lifetime called, well, it was originally called Murder at the Mansion, and then it was changed to Engage to a Psycho. And um, I play this diva matriarch, and I love the character. And I just thought, this is what I want to play all the time now. And um, it was just a ton of fun. 
And while it's on the air, it was lots of live tweeting going on. My mom's walking the dog. She's looking. I have a, a puppy. Not oh. a puppy. She's 15. Okay. Oh, wow. Little. And she can barely see or hear. So we have to call her. It doesn't help. You know, you can clap, you can stomp your feet and she doesn't know you're there. So do you ever lose her? Cause you said you have a lot of space. No, <laughs> I never let her too far. I was going to say, <laughs> um, but my mom's tippy toeing. I saw her tippy toeing in the background. Oh, trying to <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the murder at the mansion was fun. We were live tweeting and then I did a, a movie for Hallmark, which was also a ton of fun called love at sea. And I saw that. Did you? I yeah, did. That was really fun. That was fine. Yeah. I saw um, that. I mean, you've done many a Hallmark movie or a Lifetime movie. Yeah. So this was just, you know, recently and it was a blast. Oh, there she goes. Come on, Roxy. Go, go, go. go oh, she's go, cute, go. the dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, Love at Sea was a very good movie. It was it's cute. Good. You should check out the other one too. It's really cute. The other one sounds, I'm going to, because the other one sounds amazing. On Lifetime. Mm -hmm. Well, everyone needs to follow you. I will send this to you. I'll email it to you. And I cannot wait to hear what happens with this movie. I will keep my fingers crossed. And you have to tell Daniel, I said, hello, I'm going to connect with him on Instagram too. I will tell We haven't spoken in years. So just life gets in the way, you know? But I really, 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 really appreciate this. You didn't need to do it. Like, thank you so much. It's been such a fun chat. And thank you for taking a trip down memory lane. Well, thank you. It's been fun. And maybe we'll get to meet when the whole world opens up. I'm in New York. New York too. Like Cafe Carlisle, something like that. That's, we can go out and have drinks. Or I can sing there. Well, that's what I'm thinking too. (laughs) And then we'll have drinks. (laughs) I'll buy a ticket. I'll support. I'll give you a ticket. (laughs) We can have drinks after you sing. Yeah. So I would love to meet one day, but this has been great. I really appreciate it. And I will send you everything later today. Okay, thanks. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear subscribe 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 on apple podcasts under behind the velvet rope and when you're done subscribing feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count we read each and every one of them we post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going and we really appreciate everything you guys say especially the positive ones And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind The Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.